unfortunate and urgent and horrifying news story. Now, I don't know if this is the kind of hard-hitting news you're used to. Got some good news and I got some bad news. Now this could be the big story of the summer. Network is going to be wanting plenty of coverage. What do you mean, silly? I mean, that, that's real news. Well, the uh, Caleb Williams stuff has taken on kind of an interesting turn. Um, how about this one? He is attending the NFL Combine, as we as we thought he would, but he's not going to be doing medical examinations with teams, according to multiple sources from both CBS Sports and ESPN. One league source believes Williams is the first Combine invitee to attend the event after declining the medical exams which are typically considered to be one of the most essential elements of the Combine. In accepting his invitation, Williams also did not sign off on having his medical record shared with all 32 teams. The NFL, according to CBS Sports, has for years gotten complaints from draft prospects about the length of time for medical examinations, as well as the redundancy of having doctors from all teams examine the same player and ask the the same or similar questions. So, what does this mean? Is this Caleb Williams saying, "Hey, this is this thing is redundant. It's a, it's ridiculous. I'll share my medical information with a certain amount of teams, but I'm not going through. I'm not going to go through everybody's doctor." You know, on the surface, it looks bad, Angel. But if you dive into it and break into it like that, kind of makes. I guess it kind of makes sense. If you're the number, you're going to be the number one pick, guaranteed. Going to be top five. Do you really need all 32 teams to have your medical information? I guess not, but Caleb is a interesting prospect in, in, in and of himself, so this is just going to be another thing that people look at and criticize, look at and say, oh, he's doing the right thing, he's doing it on his own, and well, he's not, get both sides of it. He's not going to do any of the combine stuff, though, right? Not that I know. Not throwing, not 40, any of that. So you got the medical thing that he's bucking, now he's not going to do any of the stuff. One reporter did ask Caleb Williams, hey, are you... Are you afraid of competition? <laughs> Which was, I can't, I can't use the word on air, I don't think, but that was a brave, bold question to ask a guy like Caleb Williams. Um, I don't. Can we agree that this doesn't? Maybe for other players it might, but this probably doesn't do anything for his draft stock. No, I mean, when you're when you're selected as like oh this, this when you're projected to be the number one pick. You know, for the next two years, it's you kind of get stuck in that. Like Trevor Lawrence was was just like that. He was a freshman, and people were like, "Yeah, he's going to be the number one pick." Like it's just it's a done deal. It's drafted three years later, and yeah, he's the number one pick. So you kind of just get once you get put into that spot, it's really hard to just hurt yourself outside of crying or painting your nails or doing whatever. Which you have no problem with the crying? crying no. Yeah. The biggest flag right now is definitely that whether, you know, again, his his agent's saying that it didn't really come out that way, but he was asking potentially for some part of ownership or whatever whenever he got drafted. So that would have been, that's unique that he asked. It's illegal in the eyes of the NFL. You can't, a player cannot be in any shape, in any, in any situation, he can't be any kind of owner or get any kind of the, they can get their individual contracts, but they're not going to get any of the, you know, the money from what the team is doing. It's not going to happen. Um, I remember when Peyton Manning played for the Broncos, a lot of people were like, hey, why don't you get him locked up now and maybe start talking about him being part owner? You can't even have those conversations legally. You can't even say, hey, hey, Peyton, why don't you 
when you retire, just you know, we'll get we'll get it all worked out. Let's start drawing up. Spe- you can't even do that. It's supposed to happen after the fact if you did want to get involved. No, I mean, it, want to be an owner owner for what four years at least, depending on whether or not you're going to get a second contract. Then what? Right? Yeah. That's it's just that was weird. But then again, his agent came out and said, "No, I wasn't really like that." But every other report we heard was that yeah, that that had happened. You know, he he wanted that. He asked about it. You know, and then the emotional, the crying after the, uh, was it the Washington game? I believe so, yeah. And they lost that game, and, you know, he goes up into the stands, and he's crying, covering up his face, crying with his mom. You know, you know giving, it, giving it a few months to let that simmer, sure, it's maybe not the end of the world. I was, it, it just was weird to me. Crying is, well, I don't mind crying. You know, hell, I almost cried talking to Isaiah Stevens a little bit ago. But... The whole, the whole, like the the show of jumping up into the stands and kind of lean, laying over to the stands, his feet are hanging off, just seemed like a show to me. But, but that, then you add this in, and Caleb Williams has got to be the most powerful draft pick, future NFL player we've ever seen. Is that is that fair to say? Is he already demand? Maybe. I mean, Eli Manning, Eli Manning, and Philip Rivers turned the NFL world upside down. John Elway turned the NFL world upside down. But it does seem like Caleb Williams is up there as far as big names that can kind of call the shots. I think you're getting a lot of attention on yourself, and you know it's deserved. You were a great player in college, projected number one pick. Um, how you handle that kind of attention, I think we're maybe seeing a little bit of it. And then you get, you, you're you going to be walking on that stage, the first guy up there, getting your hat and getting your jersey, and it's going to be all on you now. Yeah. And Chicago is looking at you as... Yeah, this other guy wasn't it, and he was pretty good, but you're our guy. I think there's a little bit. I would be hesitant with Chicago. I would be, too. I don't know about you. Yeah, well, I mean, Justin Fields was supposed to be the guy, right? Nope. We were talking about Justin Fields. We forget quickly when a couple, what, it was Justin going into his third year coming up next? Or his fourth year? Fourth year. But we do forget quickly, don't we? If they bust, we forget the hype that surrounded them. And how detailed that hype was. Oh, look at Bryce Young. People, they, they don't even consider him anymore. They've already given up on that guy. You know? And Justin Fields was, that was the guy that might change the way we play quarterback. He was like, some mocks had him going number one overall. Right. And he was like, what, three or four? Mm-hmm. He was one of the big names. So, anytime I get stuff like this where it's like, this is historic, maybe, that he's doing something historic. You know, he's going to go to the Combine, but he's not going to participate. He's not going to do any kind of you know, medical examinations and things like that. He's not giving it out to the, to the team. He does have medical examinations. He has had physicals, but he's going to distribute them to the teams he, I guess, wants to distribute them to. And that's going to be from his doctor or um, USC's doctors. I don't, I don't know. Which, I mean, that, your numbers like do a physical in August. It's going to be different than your physical in April. Is there a worry they got hurt? I don't think so. But but if he didn't want to go to Chicago and he did get hurt, he should put that out. <laughs> that's yeah. how you. That's how you get them to pass on you. And then what's going on with Marvin Harrison? Oh, uh, he was supposed to do his like little press conference thing, and he just was not there. Not good. Apparently, he's at the combine, but he just wasn't there for speaking to people. Is this is this the new world we're in? I mean, yesterday you got players saying, hey, the world's flat and pigeons aren't real. Today you got 
star quarterback, man, you can't see my medical records, teams, and I'm not going to participate. And Marvin Harrison's just like, I'm good. I'm not even going to show up to this thing that's probably a necessity. Is that, are those all red flags? To some, maybe. To others, no. Um, I mean, you're, you're, you're talking to a different generation of kids at the, or young men at this point. Um, who just maybe see the world differently, and ah, I don't need to talk to people. I don't. I don't want to go stand on a podium in front of fifty reporters and ask, you know, answer weird questions. Is that like, part of it? Do you though? think you're a good player? Yeah, I'm a great player. Next, like, do you think birds are real? I, who's ever asking those questions? Just, I, who asked know, that question? Did somebody ask that question, or did the, who was it that did this yesterday? The birds aren't real, guy. Uh, Illinois Trent, tight end Trent something. Was it Trent something? No. I, I don't know. It doesn't I matter. See it. It's whatever. The guy doesn't believe birds bringing it last long. Um, note that for when he's a stud, and I say that. But I just like is is the press conference thing not mandatory? I I don't think it is. I think most players do it just to you know maybe show off. Hey, this is how I am with the media. This is how I'm going to talk to the media. If you get me on your team, I'm not going to cause hysteria or cause controversy if I'm if you put me in a press conference day one or something. Um because these guys are doing a lot at the combine. It's not just working out in, in tight underwear or whatever. They're they're talking they're having meetings, they're having medicals, they're having physicals, they're hanging out with other players, they're talking to coaches, coaches are talking to other coaches, GMs are talking to GMs. There's a lot going on in Indianapolis. Is this just getting to the point where players are viewing this just like we do? You know, as fans we've always said and, and and talk show hosts, the combine seems like it's a meat market. <laughs> I mean, you got dudes in underwear running around getting measured and all this stuff. And we've always kind of said, do we need all of that stuff that goes into it? Is this players now saying we view it the same way? And we're kind of like, no, we're not going to do that stuff anymore. You either want us or you don't, based on what you saw us do throughout the regular season. I'd say it's probably more important for like linemen, defensive linemen, linebackers, offensive linemen, those type of guys because it's those are more hey, I need to make sure you're physically, you know, if you're 6'6" six, six, two, 280, I want to make sure that's exactly what you are and how fast can you move? I know you're not wearing pads or anything, but can you move fast without it? And maybe for a lot of these guys, it's hey, I didn't really get a lot of looks in college. I just need to make my mark and get shown. Mm-hmm. And maybe these coaches don't know me, but they're going to spot me, and I'm the hidden gem in the D lineman class. Yeah, it's uh, it's certainly a a story, a startling story. You know, you hear it, but maybe when you break into it, it's not the end of the world. I guess you know the draft just got a little more interesting. How about this one? Um, according to ESPN, Teresa Gold, who has taken on the commissioner role for the Pac, we can't call it the Pac-12 anymore. We I got to get the new name. Please get that out quickly, Teresa, because I, I feel like I'm I'm lying up here saying it's Pac-12. She said the most important part of her job will be to help the remaining two schools. You're the commissioner of two schools. Oregon State and Washington State position themselves for the future. The strategic piece is really being bold and being aggressive, being intentional and really attacking these challenges head on but also being open-minded and making sure that we're considering all options, Gould said in a video conference. Probably the most important and urgent piece of my role is to partner with the leadership on both campuses to forge that future path for their two campuses and their athletic programs. 
I still have no idea what they're going to end up doing, Washington State and Oregon State. I mean, I know they're in this weird Mountain West. We're in your conference, but we're not, you know, but they're going to be their own. So for Washington State and Oregon State to get in, that's just hypothetical game. They would have to be just a ranked team, right? Because they're not going, they're not really a conference. So no, Pac-2 is not a conference. No, with the, with the five plus seven, the way it's set up, it's power four, group of five, seven at large. So what so, do you consider, what are we calling Oregon State and Washington State? Because their records won't, they're going to go play Mount West teams. Now, does that count as a conference record? But they can't win the Mount West. No, but I mean, I know Oregon State's still going to play Oregon next year. They're going to keep that going for one more year. So you'll have a Big Ten game at that point. So are they basically Notre Dame, just in a weird yeah, way? Yeah, they are pseudo-independents. Okay, so the only way they can get in, there's no conference to be won for them, correct? Right. So the only way they could get in is if they light the world on fire, they lose like one game, and they get, not an at-large, but they're the, they're the next ranked outside of the, the conference champs. Yeah. That's the only way. It's a weird deal. Um... I haven't even really thought about it much, to be honest. I just knew that they signed this kind of weird contract for, what, two seasons to be to basically just schedule Mountain West. Is this a setup to be in the Mountain West? I know the, the, the Mountain West Conference would certainly like to have Oregon State and Washington State in their conference. They would vote yes on that. Yeah, so Oregon State, they'll start off the year with the Idaho State at San Diego State, home against Oregon, Home against Purdue, home against CSU at Nevada, UNLV, California, San Jose State, Air Force, Washington State, Boise State. So they're going to have a good, a decent yeah, um, I mean, schedule. Outside of the Oregon game, I mean, they could that could be their only loss, and you could maybe consider them a top twenty team. Hmm. Yeah. What do you think is going to end up happening? Prediction time. Pac-2 ends up where? Mount West? Independence? I think Independence, too. That, that's almost a death nail for them. Yeah, because they're not schools. Notre Dame. Yeah. Um, I think you either go to the Mountain West or you try to get into the Big 12. And if they would have been able to do that, I think they would have already done it. Yeah. Or maybe they truly were staying loyal. Doubt, yeah. Doubtful. No, you don't. you think... I you think don't there's think a Oregon bit of State there, but you don't think Oregon State and Washington State were actively trying to get out of there. I'm sure they were, but you know, no one else was moving until USC and UCLA did, and then it was Washington, Oregon. Oh, okay, so the top four teams in our conference are gone. Everyone else is looking. Big Twelve is probably full for right now. We're not going to go to the ACC because oh wait, geography doesn't mean anything anymore. So you could do that, but. Yeah, I know it's hard to say right now for those two. Well, and I don't have my cheat sheet that you made up for me. Where where did Stanford go? I believe Stanford's an independent. Did they stay independent? Is that is that what they did? Because I'm just thinking, I'm like Washington State versus you know Oregon State. Those two teams are, I would I would maybe not as attractive. I, but no, I, th- I would say they are. I would say they are. Stanford's got the Olympic side though, pretty strong on that. You know, football's been. Off and on over the years. They've certainly had some high moments, but some low moments as well. But um, this whole this whole thing with the Pac-2 will be interesting. First advantage text line 
888-530-0043. Teresa Gould, she's got her work cut out for her. She she was joined by Washington State President Kirk Schultz. Um, they didn't provide any specifics in this video cast about what the, the future could look like beyond the next two seasons. Again, during which Oregon State and Washington State will compete in the uh, West Coast Conference in most sports, along with a scheduling partnership in football with the Mountain West. For a, Just so you know, for a conference to exist, the NCAA requires at least seven active Division I members, all of which must sponsor men's and women's basketball. And for the conference to sponsor at least 12 Division I sports, among other requirements. So, yeah, they're going to have to figure out something. And they got to start working on that now. Okay, so USC, UCLA, Oregon, and Washington are going to the Big Ten. Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah are going to the Big 12. Stanford and California are going to the ACC. All right. So, again, geography doesn't matter because that's no. the Atlantic Conference and right. those are California. It doesn't matter anymore. They don't care. Um, at the beginning of the season next year, Angel, we're going to do like a full-on, you know, we're going to crash course on all the changes, all the conference changes, the, the college football playoffs as we know it, all of it. I could see in two years Florida State and Clemson leave the ACC and you replace them with Washington State, Oregon State. Could see that. Well, and that's the thing. If you you got to be careful here. You don't want to jump the gun and make a decision to, to stay in the Mount West. If some of those other teams are going to leave in any of the Power Four and go with the SEC, because I don't I don't know if the SEC and Big Ten are, are done. No, because the Big Ten's at eighteen now. The SEC's at, will be at sixteen this they year. They want twenty with, with Oklahoma, Texas. You add Florida State and Clemson, or a. Virginia Tech or North Carolina in there, you could easily get to 20 in both of those two. Mm-hmm. And then the next two, the, the Tier 2, Big 12, ACC, get them around 16, 18. That's the goal. You know, you want to get them up there, get as many teams as you can, legitimate teams. And then the, if you're Oregon State and Washington State, you got to be careful here because you want to say, okay, are those some of those schools going to jump ship, go into there, then there's going to be some openings in the Big 12 and ACC. So we could go there. Because they're going to be needing teams. And Washington State and Oregon State would still pack a decent punch. Oh, yeah. I mean... I mean, they're they're respectable programs. They bring in money. Sure. I mean, even... You know, I mentioned Clemson just because recency, but they haven't won anything in a few years, so... But they're still considered one of the top programs in that conference. They, yeah, you're exactly right. All right, 24 minutes after the hour. We are going to get Mike Rice on uh, at the bottom of this hour. Talk about the UNC loss to Weber State last night. And it went to overtime, but the officiating is really the story. I mean, Angel, when there's smoke, there's fire. When there's enough people, including Mike Rice, like outwardly frustrated with how the game was officiated, especially down the stretch, something, something's got somebody's got to uh, be accountable, be held accountable for that. Because there was an you and I were talking about it in prep. There's an obvious missed call on Jaron Rilly in, in overtime. Oh, and this spans more than just the big sky when you look at who these refs are and what else they've been doing. Well, and somebody had commented on, on one of my posts, I think, that they, they officiated the Wyoming CSU game, mm-hmm. too. And, you know, Mountain West, Big Sky, a um, couple other conferences share the same officials. Which is kind of strange, Yeah, I, I guess. I mean, you know, 
Midwest, Pacific Northwest. You want to all have the same group, so you're not saying, you know, oh, we got to go get these guys from New Jersey. They don't know what we're playing basketball here. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll bring Mike on. We'll get his thoughts. It was a great call by him last night. Bears, unfortunately, couldn't pull it off. But, yeah, you, you look at, I think Mike was a little spicy, too, because he's like, dude, this was a game that they could have won, that they could have won this game. But And I'm not, I never want to be that guy that blames officiating. But this one seems a little, a little fishy. It does. 26 minutes after the hour. It's the whole show powered by Chevron on Northern Colorado's Voice, 103.1 and 1310 KFKA. Stay up to speed with the Rams with the Isaiah Stevens Show on Northern Colorado's Voice, 103.1 and 1310 KFKA. This is Katie Wingy, your host, reporter, and analyst for the Denver Nuggets, and you're listening to the whole show on 1310 KFKA. 31 minutes after the hour. Welcome back into the show. It's the whole show powered by Chevron. Again, we're going to be off at like 1.30 today, Angel. Is that right? We're going to send it out to uh, Michael Spillen and Bruce Stick for their coverage of uh, postseason high school basketball. So we're looking forward to that call coming up later on in the program tell you what we got mike rice coming up next he's going to talk to us about the end of that um unc game i I suppose you could call this a debacle i think it's fair to say it's a debacle of an ending that really could cost the bears dearly and i hate to go officiating cost them the game but sure seemed like it was an obvious slap on the wrist for uh for really last night well and even before that this game should have ended in regulation Really hit the game-winning shot, but charging with .3 seconds, that was an iffy call. I think Mike will speak to that as well, but then the overtime call was just bad, very bad. Yeah, really bad, really bad, really, really really bad. bad. Mike Wright's going to join us, the voice of the Bears. First, let's get the latest on the local sports flash. This is your UNC Bears head men's basketball coach, Steve Smiley, and you're listening to the whole show on 1310 KFKA, go Bears. Thirty-six minutes after the twelve o'clock hour, welcome back to the whole show, powered by Chevron. Joining me now, the voice of the UNC Bears, Mike Rice. And Mike is one of obviously the talent speaks for itself, but you know, he is one of the more logical people that I've met, logical sports broadcasters that I met. So when Mike is frustrated, when Mike is saying, hey, something, something's up here, Big Sky Conference officiating last night, UNC Bears lose to uh, Weber State in overtime. Mike, um, boy, some really bad calls, obviously the one to end regulation and then overtime as well on really – I just kind of wanted to get you on, talk about it a little bit. I would, I hope we get something from the Big Sky Conference. Well, yeah, it's great to be on. Thanks for the kind words, Brady. Appreciate it. But uh, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hold your breath on that. That's just not. And you know this. Most people who follow sports know this. That typically you're not going to get any kind of response. Um, it, it's just, it's just not how it works. Um, did Steve get some responses? Maybe, probably, um, I would think so. 
and whatever he got, I'll let him say if he feels like saying it. But the fact is there were some calls that were just bad calls. And, you know, on the one hand, I fully recognize I'm not an official, and it is a difficult, difficult job. Basketball is a contact sport. We all know this. There is contact throughout the game. The question is what's allowable and what isn't. And uh, and so I, I, I say that because it's important for me. Just I, I come at this. I, I try and come at it, like you said, not only logically but humbly. You know, it's a tough job those guys have. I recognize that. But if you're going to have that job, much like if, if you're going to call a game or host a show and your show's bad or you miss every call, I mean, it's, it's it's not, it's just not acceptable, and it's one thing to miss a hand check, you know, four minutes into the game. It's another thing to miss a block charge or miss a clear foul on a layup that would have given Jaron really two free throws to tie the game at the end of the first overtime. And that that may not have it. May, I mean, Weaver could have come down and hit a shot, but you can't miss those calls. Uh, you just can't, and it's too bad because they both won against the Bears. But this is not. I mean, this isn't like the sixth-place team against the eighth-place team, which, which would be bad enough. I mean, you want officials to get it right. But this, is, this could be a game for second place, uh, which means a lot. And it obviously gives Weber the sweep over UNC. The Bears play – I mean, I could go on all day, Brady, and not let you get another question. I, I want so you I to, Mike. How, you I know? want you to. Uh, I, I guess the, the point is, is that when the Bears were at Eastern Washington, if you look at the end of that game, I mean – there were a handful of calls that were absolutely missed, many of which went against the Bears. And I'm not saying the Bears are the only team that get uh, are, are on the short end of calls. I'm not saying that. Last night, though, was not a balanced, officiated game for a game that featured two teams that played in a similar fashion. If you have a team that throws up 35, 43 pointers, whatever it is, and they're playing on the perimeter, yeah, they're, they're probably not going to draw a lot of fouls. But that's not the Bears' game. You know that from watching them. I know that. And if you watched, if anybody watched the game last night, you know that's not how the game unfolded as far as the style of play. The Bears attacked the rim. Weaver State attacked the rim. Did I have an issue with Dylan Jones going to the line 11 times? I really didn't because that's part of his game. That's part of the player he is. Did I agree with every call that went against the Bears on Jones? No, I didn't. But I didn't have an issue with it. It wasn't egregious. For the Bears to go 7 of 11 from the line in that game, the way the styles were unfolding is, to me, if not egregious, as close as you can get. I just don't think it was true to the way I saw the game. My eye is untrained. I don't look at it like an official, even though I know a little bit. Um, but it just it just was not a good night, in my opinion, for that officiating crew, to say the least. Well, and you've called a lot of games, Mike, uh, so a lot of people are going to trust your judgment. And that's I think that's why it's important to note, in doing so, you've always handled yourself in the most professional way, and you did it last night. Obviously, there's frustration, but you're not one of those broadcasters that's every foul against your team that you're calling. You're not one of those guys, and I, and I know that. Um, so, again, this is why... If you're saying it, that's that's a big deal. Uh, that's a big deal when people got to pay attention here as to what's going on because, and then my brain starts going to what I mean. Why so one sided? Especially, you know, the Bears are going on that huge run with what three or four minutes left. There's so much momentum on the UNC Bears side, and then it just hits this brick wall. 
with some of the officiating, and then, of course, the charge call fouled on, really, and then the overtime call. So yeah, my brain starts going to a lot of places, Mike, a lot of dark places, I suppose. Well, yeah, and, and I won't allow myself to go to, go to the dark, and I'm just going to say Don't it. go I mean, to the dark side. Just, uh, I'm not going to go to the dark side if it was fixed. I can't do that. I, I, I mean, if I'm going to say that, and I'm not, I'm just bringing up the topic because a lot of people do, oh, it's fixed. Well, I mean, to me, there needs to be some evidence, and that is where sort of the logic I try and bring to sure. it. But, but here's why, Brady, I, I, I've never been, never tried to bring the, the officials into it as a main storyline because the fact of the matter is most often for fans, it's just an emotional response. You don't think it's a call against your team. And quite honestly, I, I, I mean, I have been fortunate enough to see a lot of games. A lot of times it is the right call. It's absolutely the right call that went against your guy who was out of position or something happened. I didn't see it that way by and large, and I certainly didn't. I thought at best it was an iffy call on the, on the offensive foul, but as I reread the emphasis point, and I, and I can pull it up here if I pull over, but basically if the defender is, as I understand it, if the defender is not set in stone, by the time the offensive player leaves, you know, has a foot off the ground, that's a block, period. And as Steve alluded to after the game, he said it's pretty clear now. It's hard to draw a uh, a charge in that situation. And and I don't know where Dylan was, where Jones was in respect to the the restricted circle. I'd have to go back and look at that film. Go look at the tape, but the fact is, I, I thought that should. I mean, when I saw it, and I, my guess is when you saw it, that was a block. It was close. It was bang bang, but it was a block, and the Bears should have won in regulation. Look, we know it's not a do or die from the standpoint of the season is over, but it and it could affect when the Bears play and what seed they are in the in the conference tournament. So, uh, does it matter? It does matter, even though it's not sort of do or die. Um, but back to the point about the officials, I can't stand listening to a game where all they do is harp on officials. I just don't think that's most of the time true to the game. And so I really try to avoid that. But at some point, when the officials are going to make calls like that, or when they're going to look at the monitor four times, five times, for minutes at a time, that becomes a major storyline in the game. And my job is ultimately to describe and talk about and um, paint the picture of the major storylines. And unfortunately, the officials, primarily due to their incompetence last night, became a major storyline. And I, I wish it were different. And it hurt the Bears, and I wish that were different. Well, and you're right. This this is so so much meaning to this game because, you know, I'm not going to say this will be the sole reason if the Bears don't go dancing but if the seeding works out in a really tough way, and the and the Bears get a really difficult draw, and they don't get that, but they don't get in that second seed, then you are going to look back at this game and say, "Man, if things would have been a little bit different." You can say that about the pros when they get in the playoffs. If this would have happened this way, they would have been up against that team, whatever. But bottom line is, there were some bad calls, missed calls. You talk about the one late. In overtime, when Dylan Jones slapped uh, really on the li- on the wrist, it, I mean, it, it was pretty darn obvious. And then you go to the review on that, and that's the more frustrating. Why do we have this technology? <laughs> what are they seeing in the review, Mike? That 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 clearly uh, most people we're we're hearing from didn't see. Yeah, I I don't know. I I can't answer that. I mean, my my initial question is, 
and and let me just start by with this. There are times when I've missed calls in a game. I, it's just you don't see it. Something happens, uh, freak out moment, whatever it is, and and it's just a flub. And there's no other way to put it. And and somebody could say, Mike, how how could you say that on the air? I don't know. I, I now it doesn't happen often, thankfully, but at least I don't think it does. No, I don't think so. It, and 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 yet, and so my question then becomes. How do you not? I mean, that if that's not a a tailor made foul call, there's nobody around Jaron really and Dylan Jones at the end of overtime to be blocked off. That I mean, what are what I'm genuinely asking? I am not mocking the officials. What are you looking at? I honestly don't know if you can't see that call in that situation when it's one on one. The block charge. They saw it a different way, which I simply disagree with, and I think most people, I would like to think Weber State fans would disagree with, but Brady, I mean, I don't know, I don't know what they're looking, and half the, I don't know, I don't know how to answer your question of what are they looking at on the replay, I don't know, because I'd like to know the answer to that question too. Well, and that's, you know, that's kind of says it all, you know, the frustration that goes into this, I can't imagine how um, Coach Smiley, Mike, I didn't. I only caught the very beginning. I didn't catch the whole thing. How was Coach Smiley in that post game? Well, Steve is is all class. Yeah, and I, I you know Steve well enough. Uh, I've gotten to know him. He is an uber competitive guy. Most coaches are, even if they aren't outspoken or aren't gregarious. Steve is an outgoing personality and and he loves people and all the rest. And so when you couple that with the competitive fire that you have to have as a coach at this level, uh, it, uh, he, said, he said a little more than I thought he might because coaches don't comment on officiating uh, typically, and I don't even like to ask coaches about officiating at the end of games because you're basically asking them to get fined, and I don't want to put them in that position, which is, but I had to ask him. So two-part two answer. I think he was uh, he was resigned to the fact that his team got the short end of two critical calls and two egregious calls in a critical game, and and yet I thought he was fairly honest given the situation, and that's why I left it open ended. Do you have a comment? Do you wish to share anything about those calls? Because if his answer is no, Mike, I I can't do that. Okay, great, and if. You know, he had a little bit to say. You should replay the interview. I mean, to me, it was revealing. I mean, when you when you hear a coach say it was one thousand percent a foul, everybody saw it. You don't often hear a coach say that in a post game. Yeah, and that's you know that's part of why I think the the urgency of this conversation because because Mike, I'm not that guy either. I I never really I like to go you know to officiating even if even if there are bad calls and missed calls. I, I you know I wasn't one that was like, hey, the Chiefs are cheating and uh, all that stuff. I wasn't that guy. Even though they are, <laughs> even though they're the biggest cheaters out there. Um, but this is one of those that separates itself even from those extremes. This. This one's beyond extreme. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I can't disagree with that, Brady. I also try to be, as you said, even-keeled, and I know Steve does too. And it's like, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm certain. I mean, I, I would have to ask Steve for sure. But, you know, coaches regularly send clips in to the, the, whoever the head of officiating. Most conferences have some sort of person as, like, the head of officials that manages all of the crews 
all year long. And, and you know that's a tough job. I mean, they're getting it from one coach or, or another probably in every game that's played in any, any conference any night. Uh, but, I mean, you, you got to do better than those three did. And may, I don't know any of those officials. I don't know their reputations. I don't know their, you know, if they're generally regarded as good officials. I just don't know. I haven't been in the league that long. Uh, but I can say that that crew had a tough night, and it's tough to see. Uh, and, and yet, to, to go back to your initial question, I, I'd be stunned if the conference – I mean, I would, be, I would be blown away if the conference issued a statement on either of those two calls. They should. I agree with you there. But most of the time there's zero accountability. And that, to me, is, I think, a conversation that needs to be had. Because you know what? If Steve's teams, even though they're competitive and they're good, if, if, if they're on the short end of calls – and, and it affects outcomes of games, and it affects one-loss records over time in a major way, guess what? Steve Smiley's going to be accountable with his job. And guys might be accountable players as far as playing time if they're called for fouls and all the rest. At, at what point do we have a conversation like, what is appropriate for the officiating crew last night? Uh, I mean, if I heard Steve Wright on the postgame show, and I'm not sure I did, I'd have to go back and listen. I thought he said that the officials told him that they missed the call at the end of overtime. Well, mm. okay, okay, if that's the case, and I, again, I don't know, but if that's the case, Brady, that there has to be a mechanism in place. Because Hey, I get it. You miss a call, no problem, and it's not going to give the Bears a win, and it's not going to give Weber a loss. It's not going to change the outcome. Man, those are two tough calls to miss. They really are. Yeah, Mike, uh, you're you're 100 percent right, and and all the frustration side of things. Mike, appreciate you as always. But the Bears aren't done; they got two game, two regular season games remaining, and then of course the Big Sky Tournament. They can still get into that top two spot, but a big one coming up tomorrow night at Idaho State, Mike. So we'll be looking forward to your call. Yeah, it'll be fun, Brady. And the Bears, you know, look. And as far as I'm concerned, and I'm I'm not a part of this, but as far as Steve and his staff and the team, uh, they they will put it in the rear view as as tough as it was. Uh, and you know what? You just go out and play the next game, and that that's a tough one. They played Idaho State to double overtime in Greeley. Idaho State lost in double OT to Northern Arizona last night. That's a tough road game, and uh, yeah, it should be fun to see how it turns out tomorrow. Mike, appreciate your call and uh, just everything you bring to the table, man. We've absolutely been spoiled by your your broadcast this year, so uh, we appreciate you, man. You're too kind. Thank you, Brady. Appreciate being on with you. Mike Rice, the voice of the UNC Bears. I'm telling you, if Mike is frustrated, if Steve Smiley is frustrated, something ain't right. I'm frustrated. Well, yeah, but Angel, you're you know you're you're a big Bears fan. So, you, I mean, <laughs> it, was, it was an obvious <laughs> It was, man. It was. All right. So let's take a quick break here. Um, whenever we come back, we'll wrap up. Whenever we come back, we'll wrap up uh, hour number two. We'll get into buy or sell coming up short, short third hour today. So get your punches in. It's the whole show powered by Chevron and Northern Colorado's Voice, 103.1 and Speed with the Rams with the Isaiah Stevens Show on Northern Colorado's Voice, 103.1 and 1310 KFKA. This is Ali Farouk Manesh, assistant men's basketball coach at Colorado State, and you listen to the whole show 
1310 KFK. Flying Dutchman says, is there a particular cheese you enjoy with your wine? Talking about the Bears loss last night. Listen, dude, did you did you watch the game? If you watched it, let me know because I I don't know how you can I don't know how you can watch that or see the highlights of that and not see the foul calls on that angel. I I just you're watch we're watching different things. We're living in two different worlds. Yeah, I mean, as Mike said, the charge at the end was iffy 50-50 there, but the the out-of-bounds call that was obviously a foul, you, you can't miss that, no. even when you replay it four or five times. Um, I think, Flying Dutchman says, I think complaining about officiating began right after the very first game ever officiated. That's probably true, I mean, but I'm not one to do this. I typically do not. I don't like review either. But if you're going to have it and waste my time with it, you better get it right. And they did waste my time with it and didn't get it right. So... I, I Again, if you listen to the show for a lengthy period of time, Angel, how many times do I get on here and rant and rave about the officials? Very often. Uh, very, not very often. I mean, I, I, I rarely do that. So, in fact, I don't even know the last time I did. All right, we'll take a quick break. Buy or sell. Coming up next.